Republicans are delusional. That is the focus of today's podcast. Welcome, my friends. I am Mark Pantano, and you are listening to Declaring Liberty. I have been frustrated, as you all know, over the last many months, uh, if not longer than that, about this Republican Party, about our elected Republicans, for, for sure, and even about uh, our Republican voters. People seem to be absolutely clueless about the direction of the country and the future of our party and of our republic. To listen to Republicans over the last couple years, and really intensively the last few months, to listen to them on talk radio, on Fox News, on social media, you know, Republican voters talking on social media, you would think that we are sitting pretty, that everything is just going great, except, of course, for the constant witch hunts by Democrats against the Republicans, uh, against Trump specifically. And other, other than that, everything is great. We have no problems. Trump has come along and solved everything. And if he hasn't yet solved it, you need to just sit back, shut the hell up, and trust the plan. Because he's on it. You just need to have patience. After all, it's only been three years. Nobody, you can't expect people to fix everything in three years. So he's got this. Everything is perfect. The economy is perfect. Just like his phone call with uh, the president of Ukraine. It was perfect. The economy's perfect. Everything's perfect. The debt's perfect. It's the exact right amount. One trillion dollar deficit every year. That is the perfect amount of deficit spending. Nobody's ever seen more perfect deficit spending until this president came along. This is perfect. What else is perfect? Well, illegal immigration is perfect. We don't talk about it as a problem anymore, so it must be perfect. In fact, Trump put out a tweet the other day that said, quote, the border is secure. So... Perfect. Another thing that's perfect. Even though this past fiscal year, as I talked about on the last podcast, saw the the greatest number of illegal aliens crossing into the United States since 2007. The highest level of illegal immigration since the end of the Bush administration. Worse than all years of the Obama administration. But that's no matter. It's perfect. Because the president just said the border is secure. So that's perfect. What else is perfect? Oh, health care is perfect. How do I know? Because we don't talk about that anymore. So that problem is solved. Even though Obamacare is still in place. But, you know, whatever. Everything's perfect. And what else is perfect is the Republican Party. Man, we're winning. So much winning. These Democrats, don't you know, they're crazy. They're out there talking about the Green New Deal. They want to take over health care. You know, they want the government to control that. They want to control every aspect of your life, your diet, what you can drive, where you can live, all of that. They're crazy, right? And therefore, because they're so crazy, Trump's going to win in a landslide. And not just because they're crazy, but because they're trying to impeach him. And everybody knows that if you try to impeach a president, you only make the president more popular and he wins in a landslide. How do we know that? 
because the talking idiots on TV tell me that. And the morons on conservative, quote-unquote conservative talk radio tell us that. Well, do they have any historical evidence to point to? Uh, Of course not. But they say that they do because they cite Bill Clinton. Well, let me break it to you there, people. Um, Bill Clinton did not stand for election after he was impeached. He was impeached during his second term. So we don't actually know how that would have affected Bill Clinton's re-election because he didn't have to stand for election again. The only thing we go off of is that in the wake of impeachment, Bill Clinton's poll numbers were very high. Well, whoopee freaking do. That's not evidence that Trump's poll numbers are going to go up and that Trump will win in a landslide. That's one guy you can point to. Who else are you going to point to? You're going to go back to Andrew Johnson and talk to me, talk to me about the polls during the Johnson administration? Give me a break. There is no evidence to suggest that Trump is going to win in a landslide because the Democrats are trying to impeach him. And I'm going to get to that a little bit more. Um, but I, what I want to get to first is how uh, the Republican Party is completely blind to what is happening to the party. We are being destroyed. We are being marginalized to the point of irrelevancy in the not-too-distant future. We are going to become a regional minority party. That's where we're going. That's not what you would understand if you listen to the morons in conservative talk radio. Because if you listen to them, oh, we have realigned American politics. Trump came along and he realigned American politics. And we're just going to sweep to victory. It's going to be a landslide in 2020 and beyond. All kinds of people who used to vote for Democrats are now switching to the Republican Party because of Trump. The blacks are switching to the Republican Party, even though up until this point in time, they have voted for Democrats 93 to 97% in every single election for the last 50 years. But nope, now that Trump is president, they are going to be voting for him in droves. Who else is? Hispanics are. How do I know that? Well, because every once in a while, there'll be a, a picture on social media of a Hispanic in a Trump hat. And that's proof, don't you know, that overwhelmingly... Hispanics are now voting for Trump. He's won them over. He's won over everybody. Of course, there's no evidence in the polls at all. None. Zero evidence of any of that. But I I know we're supposed to not... Who cares about the polls? They're fake. That's fake news. You can't believe the polls. All right. Well, how about the election results? We've had one election since Trump won in 2016. We had a midterm election in 2018. You would think that if Trump so realigned politics in this country that the Republican Party would have made great gains in the second in the midterm elections in 2018, right? You would expect that because our politics have been realigned by the president. Everybody loves him. Well, then you would think that his party would pick up seats in order to strengthen President Trump. Well, that's not at all what happened. We got our asses kicked, and that's why Trump is now being impeached, because the Democrats won back control of the House. So much for that realignment. Oh, but Mark, everything is realigned since 2018. 
Okay, the first two years of Trump's presidency, nothing was realigned. But in the year since then, everything is realigned. And now Trump is p more popular than any president in American history. That's the kind of thing you hear on talk radio, on social media. Trump is not only the most popular president in American history, he is the greatest president in history because of all his many accomplishments. Uh, besides the low unemployment rate, you can't really name any big ones. You can name some accomplishments. There, there, there's certainly things he's done, but you can't name any huge ones. Now, here's, here's the problem for Republicans. This is why they're so damn delusional. We're losing the country. I have been telling you for months and months on this podcast that we are on the verge of losing Texas, Arizona, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, and other states. But those five are the ones that I repeat to you over and over and over again, because those are all states that Republicans need to win. And we lose a couple of those, we're done. We lose Texas, it's all over. And each passing day, these states become more and more blue. Here's an article from Yahoo News. Came out, I think it was today, but it, there's no, um, didn't print out a date. Okay. GOP Bastion, Georgia is suddenly in play for Democrats in 2020. <gasps> what? Where? What are, you, what are you talking about? Where did that come from? Why didn't anybody warn us about that? Says all the morons who don't listen to my podcast. I have been warning about this for months. Now, I don't know for sure that Georgia is going to flip in 2020, but the very fact that it's competitive is a huge problem. And if we win in 2020, we most certainly are not going to win in 2024. And that the same is almost certainly true of Texas and North Carolina and probably Florida, definitely Arizona. De Arizona's almost certainly gone. Let me read a little bit from this article. Republicans have had a hammerlock on Georgia for a generation. It could slip away if Democrats decide to make a fight. The state is a must win for President Donald Trump. Republicans are defending two U.S. Senate seats that may swing control of the chamber. Democrats remain underdogs, but population growth in the diverse and booming Atlanta area, along with the exodus of educated women from the GOP, have made, the, have made them competitive in a state they've carried just once since 1980. And of course, they leave out probably the most important component of this, illegal immigration. It's the, same, it's the reason why the entire country is moving left. It is a major, major reason illegal immigration. We've had waves upon waves of illegal immigration for decades now. These illegals have had kids who are now American citizens who are now voting in our elections. Illegal immigration is key. They don't mention it, but whatever. Trump's super PAC. Oh no, hold on. The Democrat National Committee announced this week it would hold the fifth presidential debate in Georgia. Okay, so you need to keep your eyes out for two things. Where Democrats hold their debates and where the eventual Democrat nominee and Trump hold their campaign rallies. 
It's the same thing as, as and the other thing is where they hold their national conventions. They hold all of these things or they try to focus these things in states that they are trying to win. States that they have sewn up already that, they, that, that are solidly in their column, they're not going to bother campaigning in. They're not going to bother holding their debates there. They're not going to bother holding their convention there. They hold these events in those states for all the free press that they get. If they hold the convention in some state, all the local news, in addition to national news, but all the local news is going to cover it. And so you get lots of free advertising. Same with the presidential debates. Same with campaign rallies. So you hold these events in states that you are are trying to win, that you think you can win, that isn't a definite vote for you and, and, and isn't a definite vote against you. These battleground states. That's where you concentrate holding these events. So that that tells you something. Now, Trump's job approval rating is statistically tied in the state. This is back to Georgia here. Trump's job, job approval rate is statistically tied in the state at 49% positive and 49% negative. So it's tied negative positive for Trump in Georgia. This is not good, people. This is not good at all. Trump has been president for almost three years. He's only got a 49% job approval rating in Georgia. Okay, a 49% job approval rating anywhere is is not good for an incumbent president. But it's definitely not good in one of our key states that we need to win. His approval rating in Georgia should be 60% or more. And it would have been 10, 15 years ago when it was a solid Republican state. It is no longer a solid Republican state. It is a battleground state at best. That's where we are. And it's not just Georgia. Like I said, it's these other states. But Republicans, these morons in conservative talk radio, they won't tell you that. I, I Most of them are probably too stupid to even know it. But even if they did, they certainly won't tell you that. Because that will make Trump very mad. Um, and all, all these guys do anymore is the rah-rah cheerleading garbage. Let me tell you something. We lose these states. It's over, folks. It's over for the Republican Party. We will have no chance to win the White House anymore. Done. Not for decades and decades unless there's some major realignment of our politics. And not a phony realignment like these idiots in conservative talk radio have been telling you has taken place over the last three years. There's zero evidence of any such realignment. None. But unless a real realignment occurs after these states flip to blue, we're screwed. We're done. The Democrats will have a lock on the presidency. And that means it will be just a matter of time until they have an absolute lock of hard leftists on the Supreme Court. Once you have those two things, it really doesn't matter if we ever win control of Congress anymore. I mean, give me a break. Uh, All the power is in the presidency and the courts because Congress has largely ceded their authority anyway. And once you have a rogue activist Supreme Court, that's all that matters. 
anything Congress tries to do if we ever are able to elect a Republican Congress or a Republican a Republican Congress isn't going to do it. You need to you need to 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 elect a conservative Congress, which we haven't had in I don't even know what we probably had an arguably conservative Congress back in 1995, right after Republicans won control of Congress with the contract with America, Newt Gingrich and all that. You, you can make the case that that was uh, an arguably conservative Congress. But since then, even when Republicans have controlled Congress, y- you cannot you cannot credibly claim that it has been conservative Congresses. No, it, it's not. So you'll you'll need a conservative Congress, but even if you get a conservative Congress, um, unless you have veto-proof majorities, which you're not going to have, anything good that you pass is just going to get vetoed by the Democrats, who will have a lock on the White House anyway. So it's we're done. We're done. We're not getting anything good anymore. Not that we've really been getting anything good anyway. But you can kiss any conservative conservative agenda goodbye once these these states flip and we are so close to these states flipping it's either happening in 2020 or 2024 if if things remain as they are right now and we continue to go in the direction that we have been going literally for decades this has been going on for decades we are we have just now begun to reach the point where it's about to flip but we have these states have been trending left for at least 10, 15 years or more. Texas, Georgia, North Carolina, all these states have been. We're just now at the point where they're going to flip, either this election cycle or by 2024, if things continue this way. And we're doing absolutely nothing to turn things around. We had an opportunity when we elected President Trump, uh, but we've blown it. We, We did nothing. We didn't enact voter ID laws, so there's, there will be massive, rampant, illegal voting. So you know, we could have addressed that. We didn't address that. We haven't addressed the, the hold and the undue influence that big tech, these huge left-wing tech companies, have over all news and information in the United States. There is, um, oh, I, can't for, I can't remember this guy's name, but he's been doing extensive research on how these big tech companies can influence the vote and how they did influence the vote in 2018. He's proven it. He's shown it. Um, it, is, it is scary. It is alarming the degree to which these big tech companies, chief among them Google and Facebook, can sway public opinion can influence votes subconsciously among users of these these platforms. They don't even know they're being propagandized. But they are. And it's alarming. And it's disturbing. And we have done absolutely nothing to combat that or to address that. So that's going to be a big problem. And of course, Democrats control the House now. So uh, our time, our chance to have done anything has come and gone. Two years, we had Donald Trump and Republican-controlled Congress. We did absolutely nothing. And keep in mind, the first two years of any new president's administration, it, it, it doesn't matter how long they serve, four or eight years, the first two years are traditionally the most productive for that president. 
after two years, very little gets done. Second terms are usually a total bust. There are very few successful second term presidents. They don't get much accomplished. It's the first two years. We pissed Trump's first two years away completely. That The fault for that lies a lot with the Congress and with the president. The president largely just ceded his agenda to, to the Congress. And of course, the Congress had no interest in, in doing anything that would benefit Trump. Uh, they're not conservative anyway, so they didn't want to do anything. They didn't want to get control of immigration. They didn't want to rock the boat. They don't really want to do a damn thing. And Trump largely didn't force them to, didn't pressure them to, nothing. So we got nothing. So those two years pissed away. Now we have Democrats controlling the House. Nothing good is going to come for the rest from the rest of this term, period. Now we're mired in impeachment. And forget about it. Absolutely nothing good is going to come out of Washington. There's not going to be any good legislation. If we get any legislation at all, it's going to be horrible, like gun control. So I don't know what, what people think we're winning, but we're not. We're not winning squat. And so we, we didn't address any of these problems. We didn't address big tech. We didn't address uh, vote fraud. And we sure as hell did nothing, nothing effective to address illegal immigration. Now, I know you people understand this, but if, if you say this to 90% of the Republicans, uh, they will get very angry at you and tell you that, what are you talking about? He's building your wall. He's building the wall. Have you seen a lot of video lately of the wall going up? No. You know why? Because it's really not. It's a joke. Uh, Trump did nothing to build the wall in the first two years. He's just now scrambling to throw up a little bit of wall to make it look like he's building the wall. But if you, again, like I said, if you put 30 miles of wall up on a 2,000 mile border, that's just symbolic. That's not going to stop anybody. They're just not going to cross where the wall is. That's it. You need a wall the entire length of the border or or nearly the entire length of the border. There's maybe certain places where the geography is such that you don't need a wall <clears throat> or that, um, you know, you can have certain places where you don't have a wall and you just can, you know, monitor it and have have personnel there uh, but for the most part you need a wall along the entire border 30 miles ain't going to cut it it's a joke that's for propaganda purposes that's so that you can run on re-election and pretend that you kept your promise to build the wall and of course we we don't even we don't even mention the other half of that promise that mexico is going to pay for it of course that was always a joke but people on our side took it very seriously and trump you know swore up one side and down the other, that Mexico was going to pay for it. Whatever. Um, okay, so we didn't do, we didn't address illegal immigration in any effective way. And the few things that Trump did do uh, that were good were struck down by district court judges issuing unconstitutional nationwide injunctions. And of course, um, as I said, on the last episode, Trump just, uh, you know, in the face of these rogue district court, these little piss on district, piss ant district court judges, what does he do? Bends over, grabs the ankles and says, thank you, sir. May I have a freaking another one? Because I'm going to do whatever the hell you said. 
Now, keep in mind who district court judges are. Most district court judges have never been judges before. Uh, they are just lawyers, most of whom were big political activists. They were campaign contributors. They were campaign bundlers. They were some sort of political activist. That's how they get their jobs. That's how they become district court judges. Now, when you get to higher levels, it's not exactly the same. Um, usually, people nominated, and but not always, but oftentimes, you get a little higher caliber of people, but not much. I mean, our appellate courts in the federal system are loaded with left-wing hack activists also. Okay? But certainly at the district court level, a lot of these judgeships are handed out like we hand out ambassadorships. They're political favors. They're political paybacks. So you'll get some slip and fall personal injury lawyer who made you know millions of dollars suing some manufacturer of some product, right? Makes millions of dollars and then becomes a big campaign contributor to some presidential candidate who goes on to win the presidency and then as a payback makes that personal injury lawyer a district court judge. Now that personal injury lawyer is telling the president of the United States what he can and can't do and issuing nationwide injunctions. Not just rulings in his own little district, but rulings that apply, apply nationwide. And what does Trump do? He obeys these illegal nationwide injunctions. Okay, If you were truly serious about securing the border and ending Ill illegal immigration, you would tell these slip and fall personally inju injury lawyers who are now pretending to be serious jurists, you would tell them to go F themselves. That's what you would do. Pound sand. F you. That's what you tell these judges. But we're not serious. We're not serious. Oh, but Mark, they would impeach him. Well, they, they're impeaching him anyway. Like I said last time, better to impeach than fight an impeachment battle over something that's important and over something which the American people agree with you on and elected you for. I really doubt, seriously doubt, that the American people would want the President of the United States impeached and removed from office for telling a district court judge who vastly exceeds the scope of his authority to go F himself, I'm going to secure the border. I don't think the American people would want that person impeached. Well, whatever, we're never going to see that because we don't dare stand up to district court judges. And there's a lot more that we could do. If you don't want to just go and, and defy a district court judge, there's a lot more that we can do that I've talked about before. We should start talking about impeaching some of these judges. You know, impeachment isn't just for presidents. It's not just for executive branch officials. It's also for members of the judiciary. Now, contrary to what Trump apparently thinks, based off on his based off his tweets this week, you cannot impeach members of Congress, but you can impeach judges. You know, it seems every every Republican president gets threatened with impeachment. How how many presidents have we had? Forty five in the entire history of our country. How many judges do we have? A thousand of them at any given time? How many judges do we ever talk about impeaching? Uh, none of them. No, we, we talk about impeaching every Republican president, but no judges. They get to serve during good behavior. It is not good behavior. And again, good behavior, just like high crimes and misdemeanors, good behavior 
is a political question that is left to the House and the Senate to decide what constitutes good behavior. I submit to you that it is not good behavior to flagrantly violate separation of powers and exceed your authority as a judge. That is not good behavior. That should be the basis of impeachment and removal from office. But we don't even talk about that. Never. Not once does anyone bring up impeaching judges over these rogue decisions. No. All we do is we whine about it and then we say, but damn it, we're going to appeal. Well, whoopee freaking do. Who are you going to appeal it to? A left-wing appellate court? Oh, good luck there. Every once in a while, we win by a 5-4 decision in the Supreme Court. And then guess what? These district court judges don't even, don't even um, abide by the Supreme Court's decision on that issue. It's happened over and over and over again. We win at the Supreme Court. And then these district court judges just ignore the Supreme Court. And what do we do? We're going to appeal this decision to the Supreme Court. It's insanity. These Republicans, it's sheer insanity and it's cowardice. All right, so we've done nothing about illegal immigration. We've done nothing about the tech companies. We've done nothing about vote fraud. Meanwhile, the country is moving further and further to the left with each passing day. And, you know, facts on the ground in Georgia, bear this out. Facts on the ground in Texas, bear this out. We have uh, Republican Party Republican Party officials in Texas warning that Texas is going to turn blue either this year, uh, e- either in 2020 or in 2024. And they are warning that the National Republican Party better spend serious time and attention and resources to the state of Texas or Democrats may very well win Texas in 2020. The warning signs are all over the place. But you wouldn't know that by listening to our elected officials. You certainly wouldn't know that by listening to the cheerleaders and fanboys on talk radio, all of whom are, are, well, not all of whom. I, I can't vouch for that. I don't listen to all of them. But the big ones, every damn one of the big ones are complete sellouts, complete hacks. Every damn one that with which with, with whom I'm familiar, right? There may be some big guys out there that I don't listen to, but I, I, the truth is I can't stomach talk radio anymore. I listen, you know, 10, 15 minutes here and there to, to these guys each day just to keep tabs on what they're talking about. And they're nothing but cheerleaders and fanboys. By the way, they also lie to you about the Constitution. Um, I, I listened to the first 15 minutes of one of the big guys yesterday. This guy, his claim to fame is he's Mr. Constitution. He's Mr. Conservative, right? He's certainly Mr. Constitution, or so he would have you believe. And he knows his stuff when it comes to the Constitution. But now that he's just become a complete hack, he's not going to give you an honest assessment about things. He is going to give you the Republican propaganda. He was going on and on about how brilliant the letter that the White House lawyer sent to Nancy Pelosi saying that Trump is not going to comply or going to cooperate with their impeachment inquiry. Now, now, fine. But what you have to understand about that letter is that it's a political document. It's completely political. It pretends to be a legal document, but it lies about the law and the Constitution in there. It makes political arguments about it. It whines about due process. It whines about, oh, this violates separation of powers. It does no such thing. 
what the Democrats are doing is despicable. This is not how you should conduct an impeachment inquiry. It should be done seriously, soberly. It should be fully transparent. They shouldn't be interviewing witnesses in secret. And if they do, they should immediately release the entire transcript, which they're not doing. They're only leaking selected parts of it that help help their case against Trump. Most of it, we don't get to, to, to see or hear. Now, if, if you're going to, well, whatever, I don't want to go down that road. But this is, this is an abomination, what's going on. No, no question about it. Politically, it's awful. As a matter of constitutional process, it's horrible. But it's not unconstitutional. The Constitution is silent about the process. The Constitution doesn't even mention an impeachment inquiry. It just gives the sole power of impeachment to the House of Representatives, and then the Senate gets to try. Uh, and, and, And it's up to them whether or not to convict. But it gives the House of Representatives the sole power of impeachment. That's all it says. Doesn't tell you about what rules the House must employ. Doesn't say anything about the process, anything like that. And, and to suggest that it violates the Constitution the way the Democrats are doing it is, is, is BS. And people who are saying that either don't know what they're talking about or they know it's BS, but they don't care because they're in cheerleader mode. I mean, you can defend the president. You can rail against what the Democrats are doing without lying about what the Constitution says. And that's what pisses me off. We already have enough people in this country who don't know a damn thing about the Constitution. And when our side, when Mr. Constitution lies about what the Constitution says, it pisses me off. Because we don't need a bunch of ignoramuses running around. And 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 we're just creating... I mean, the left are just nothing but ignoramuses about the Constitution. They couldn't care less. They hate the Constitution. But people on our side, we at least pretend to like the Constitution, Right? And when Mr. Constitution starts telling them lies about what the Constitution says, well, they believe it. Well, he wouldn't lie about the Constitution. He's Mr. Constitution. He writes books about it. Well, Mr. Constitution is not really Mr. Constitution anymore. He's Mr. Political Hack. Okay, He gave up the Mr. Constitution thing a couple years ago when he decided to be a full-on political hack. And there's a question about why he's become a full-on political hack. I had a conversation with somebody on Twitter the other day. Um, They think that it's because uh, the president tweets and says glowing things about this person, and they just love the attention from the president, and that's why uh, they're no longer objective at all, and they're just this person is just a a lapdog to the president. That could be it. Um, and, I, and I don't doubt that there's an element of that. I think it more has to do with a business decision. I think it has to do with the fact that if he were honest about some of these things, and like I said, you can support the president without lying. You can be honest about the situation. You can criticize the president when he deserves criticism, like when he bans bump stocks unconstitutionally by executive order, when he supports red flag laws, and all these other things that he's done when he pretty much does nothing on the border and to, to, to the extent that last year was the worst year of illegal immigration since 2007. You can support the president without being a complete political hack and sucking up to him constantly. 
I mean, how are we supposed to push him in the right direction on things, apply political pressure uh, so that the president does the right things on, thing, uh, on these issues if we don't criticize him at all? If you're just going to praise the man no matter what he does, he has absolutely no incentive to do the politically difficult things like putting the military on the border, for example, which he could do. Well, he's not going to do it. He'd get a lot of pushback and there'd be a big hullabaloo over it. Democrats would cry this and cry that and he's an authoritarian and posse comitatis and all these stupid things that don't apply because the president has the ultimate authority to put the military on the border to secure it. He could do that today if he wanted to. He doesn't need anyone's damn permission or approval. He could do that right now. Um, but we can't say that. We can't do anything but say that Trump is doing everything that he can on the border and uh, the problem is solely uh, the fault of Congress. It's not Trump's fault at all. Well, you know, when you can't criticize, then you have no power to influence. You, you are taken for granted and Trump will just do the politically easy thing, which is nothing. Because that's obviously what he has decided to do. Because it would, it would be difficult to do that politically, so he just decides not to do it. Or maybe he was never serious about it in the first place. But either way, we're not pushing him in the direction of doing those kinds of things. Because we do nothing but cheerlead him, no matter what the hell he does. So Mr. Constitution was talking about this letter. I didn't listen to the whole thing because I couldn't stomach it. I couldn't stomach it. You can say that it was a, a brilliant letter politically. And that may be the case. But legally, constitutionally, it was bullshit. And Mr. Constitution shouldn't be lying to you and telling you that it was uh, it was brilliant legal and constitutional writing. It wasn't. Um, you know, he, he started out by saying the House, this was his big point to begin the show with, that the Constitution give the, gives the House of Representatives the sole power of impeachment. Well, that's true. But here's what he said that means. That means that it requires, in order to begin in, an impeachment inquiry, it requires a full vote of the House of Representatives. Well, that's bullshit. And I think he knows that's bullshit. He has to know that that's bullshit. Because he knows the Constitution. He knows that that's not true. And if this were a Democrat president, he would not be saying anything like that. You do not need... Now, you should have a full vote. You should you should follow past precedent in the way we've conducted past impeachment proceedings. We should have a full vote of the entire membership of the House of Representatives to decide on whether to proceed with an impeachment inquiry. We should do that. That's the right thing to do. Get all these people on record. You don't just willy-nilly start opening impeachment inquiries on the President of the United States. So that's what should happen. Politically, that's the right thing to do. But is it constitutionally required? No, it's not. But Mark, but Mark, um, Mr. Constitution said that uh, 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 the House of Representatives means the whole House of Representatives, not just Nancy Pelosi or committee chairman. Yes, that's true. But that doesn't apply to an impeachment inquiry or to how they go about investigating possible impeachment charges. The whole House must vote, but the only time they're required to vote is on articles of impeachment. And they will at some point 
vote the whole house on articles of impeachment nancy pelosi can't impeach the president on her own she can't just take her and adam schiff and a couple other of her minions and just vote among themselves to impeach the president that requires a full vote of the house of representatives but that is the only thing that requires a full vote of the house of representatives with respect to impeachment that's the power of impeachment the power of impeachment is the power to impeach not the power to investigate that that's not what it talks that's not what the power of impeachment is the power of impeachment lies in the house voting to impeach they have not voted to impeach yet they're just investigating now again should they be doing it this way no this is an outrage the way they're conducting themselves it's partisan it's abusive it's non-transparent it's it's not at all representative the American people should be a part of this process. The American people should see everything that's going on. We shouldn't have anonymous whistleblowers. They should; Those people should be identified, hauled before Congress, and made to testify. No, witness, no witnesses should be testifying in secret. It should, they should be testifying before the entire American people in an open committee hearing. So none of this is right. But... We don't need to lie about the Constitution in order to argue politically against what the Democrats are doing. That's what pisses me off about this. And I, I, I see it time and time again on our side. Uh, you know, I, I hated for so long, especially under Barack Obama and Bill Clinton, how the Democrats are such hypocrites. They don't care about facts at all. They lie, 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 lie. Well, now the Republicans are doing it. They are making the exact same arguments now that Democrats made during the impeachment of Bill Clinton. They are making the exact opposite arguments uh, about the Constitution, about the presidency, about high crimes and misdemeanors than they were during the impeachment of Bill Clinton. They've completely... It's not surprising... Our side is no better than the other side. Our side is no more virtuous than the other side. Our side is composed of just as many political hacks as the other side. Even our media are nothing but hypocritical hacks, just like the left's media is. The only difference is we have far fewer media outlets than the left. But our media outlets are every bit the political hacks that theirs are. Now, I can't speak to all of them because I don't watch all of them. I hear the, that um, One American News Network is good. I don't have it on my cable network. I've never watched that channel. Um, I heard Newsmax is pretty good. I've never watched it. So I can't speak to them. But Fox News? No. Not impressed. Fox News is a weird animal. The hard news side is not conservative. Uh, you have some very good down-the-middle reporters. And you, you actually have quite a few of them in Fox News, the hard news guys. So, many of them are very good. Brett Baer is very good. I mean, there's, there's good guys over there and women. But you also have left-wing hacks in the news division too, like Shep Smith. But on the opinion side, aside from Juan Williams, uh, pretty much everyone on the opinion side is nothing but a propagandist for the right. No better than other places. Um, God, 
I, I, I can't stand the political propaganda and the hackery. Because, look, our immediate political situation, the people in office right now, they're not going to be in office forever. I don't give a damn about any of them. I care about the future of the country. And because we are just constantly obsessed with the daily political soap opera, what Trump tweeted, whether it's racist, whether it's sexist, and even this impeachment stuff, it makes no difference to the long-term future of the republic. Zero. None. Not even the impeachment of Trump. If he if he's impeached and removed from office, it makes very little long-term difference to the future of the republic. The things that make a long-term difference are these issues that are being ignored. Chief among them, illegal immigration. Let me tell you something. Even for those of you who think Trump is the savior, put on earth by God to be president and save us all from the left. I hear this all the time. This is the way people on our side talk. They talk about Trump as if he's some sort of a God. He, Whatever, he's more than just a mere man. He is our savior. He's our political savior. Even if you believe that, even if President Trump is president for the rest of his life, which what, is going to be maybe 20 years? Even so, we have Trump for the next 20 years. That's not going to save us from the direction we're headed. First of all, he's shown no indication whatsoever of having any willingness to address any of these long-term issues. Illegal immigration is the serious, the, the most serious, bar none, threat to the future of the republic. Illegal immigration, because it's changing the nature of the American people. It's changing the nature of our culture, of our beliefs, of our politics. It's changing it fundamentally. You know, Barack Obama talked about a fundamental transformation. We are living through Barack Obama's fundamental transformation right now. Donald Trump is bringing you Barack Obama's fundamental transformation. How? Because he's allowed the problem. The single biggest way to get fundamental transformation is illegal immigration. And he's made it worse than when Barack Obama was president. He is completing Barack Obama's fundamental transformation. So it doesn't matter if Donald Trump is president or not. We're headed in the wrong direction. And the, the entire country is moving left. Georgia. Florida. North Carolina, Arizona, Texas. The list actually goes on and on. Those are just the most serious ones because we can't win without those states. We can maybe lose one, maybe two of them. But that's it. We lose more than that. It's over, folks. Over! And all of this has continued apace under Donald Trump. So whether Donald Trump is president for the next 20 years or not, if things continue to go as they have for the first three years of Trump's presidency, we're screwed whether it's Donald Trump in office or it's Elizabeth Warren in office. Trump is not going to be president forever. And the direction of the country that we're, that we're headed in now, that's going to determine the long-term future. And it doesn't matter that we have a good economy right now. Economies come and go. Talk about fleeting. Economies? Economies can turn on a dime. The next president could cha radically change economic policy and our country could be 
economically in the toilet in no time. That's not a long term. That's not a long term fix. That's not a reorientation of anything. I mean, while it's good, while it's important, it's not a long term issue. It, it economies ebb and flow. It could turn on a dime. Look at the difference between the last president and this president. We could have the same difference in the other direction between this president and the next president. So, you know, it, this could be the greatest economy in the history of the country, which it's clearly not for a whole host of reasons. Um, it, the unemployment rate certainly is, is one of the best we've ever had. But that's about the only thing really that you can point to about the economy that is historically good. The growth rate stinks. Uh, we're losing manufacturing jobs. There's a lot going on in the economy that is not good. And in fact, there are a lot of indications that the economy is headed into the crapper. All right, we're stalling right now, if not beginning to go in the opposite direction. There are clear warning signs. We could be on the verge of recession, if not in recession, sometime during 2020. So it's not all gangbusters out there in the economy. And even if it were, it's not going to be forever. And the next Democrat president, with their socialist agenda and policies, uh, will send the, the economy into the toilet. The long-term consequences, the long-term issues, are the ones we're not addressing and are making worse. All these illegal aliens, about three million of them since Trump became president, have come into this country. Those people, every damn one of them, are far more important to the long-term future of the country than the unemployment rate today. Because that unemployment rate, I got news for you, it ain't always going to be three point whatever percent. It's going to go up. Our economy isn't always going to be in growth. And it's barely in growth right now. It's going to be in recession at some point in the future. And guess what's still going to be here? All those damn illegal aliens are still going to be here. All those people who are coming in illegally, clogging up our schools, reducing the quality of our education that directly affects our kids and their futures, getting free health care, getting welfare, getting public housing, stealing American jobs, all of this. That's, that will continue during the, the rest of Trump's administration, however long that is, during the next president. And these, these illegal aliens are all going to be having kids. And those kids are going to be American citizens because guess what? We haven't done anything to get rid of this ridiculous birthright citizenship deal either. Even though Trump promised to do that more than a year ago. Remember that? Oh, we don't talk about that anymore. You know, oh, well, you couldn't have expected Trump to keep that promise. He just says things. Oh, okay. I'm supposed to be happy that the president just says things that he has no intention of actually doing? That's supposed to make me happy? Oh, he just does it to mess with the Democrats. Oh, okay. Wow, he really schooled them, didn't he? Wow, so much winning. Between that and telling Congress people to go back to where they came from, oh, this good, good stuff. This is real winning. Tweets that allow the press to call him a racist for three weeks at a time. Wow, 4D chess there. Oh, and here's the greatest bit of 4D chess I've ever seen in my entire life. Okay, because everything I, everything that Trump seemingly does wrong is not really wrong at all. It's an act of sheer brilliance. It's 4D chess. Here's here is must be the greatest example of multi-dimensional chess that there has ever been in world history. Trump spent the first two years of his presidency 
bogged down with a special counsel investigation and phony allegations, phony charges nonstop that he colluded with a foreign government. He sought the assistance of a foreign government to defeat his political opponent in the 2016 election, right? It was all bogus. But that was the allegation that he colluded, that he had sought he he sought out the assistance of a foreign government to defeat his political opponent. To dig up dirt on his political opponent. So as soon as that bogus investigation is over, the Mueller thing is done and kaput. What does he do? Almost immediately, he picks up the phone, calls the president of Ukraine, and asks a foreign country to dig up dirt on his political opponent. Are you freaking kidding me? That has got to be the dumbest thing I have ever heard of a president doing. You battle phony charges, false allegations that you colluded with a foreign government. And then as soon as you are cleared of those false allegations, you actually do seek the assistance of a foreign government to dig up dirt on your political opponent. Un-freaking-believable. Now, you can argue whether or not that's a crime. You can argue whether or not that's a high crime and misdemeanor. But what you cannot argue unless you are nothing but one of these sellout political hacks for whom truth and honesty means absolutely nothing. What you cannot argue is that that was not stupid. That was clearly stupid. That is one of the most monumentally stupid things I've ever even heard of. The first two and a half years of his presidency were consumed by these false allegations and then he actually does it. <sighs> but so much winning. Nothing wrong with it. But Joe Biden, Joe Biden did it. Joe Biden did worse. Therefore, there's nothing wrong here. Okay, whatever. Stick with that if you wish. You know, just whine about the process as if that's a defense. You know, it's, it's not a defense against a charge to say that the person who caught you committing the offense is a political opponent. It's not, it's not a defense. If so, then I guess, you know, it should be a, it should be a, a, a defense, a recognized defense in our criminal law. You know, if, if, if the person who catches you committing a crime is your is a member of the opposing political party, well, then you get a get-out-of-jail-free card. It doesn't matter if you actually committed the crime. If the person who saw you committing the crime or learned about you committing the crime and then reported it, if that person doesn't share your politics, then you get away with it. That's how it works. I should try that the next time I represent a criminal defendant. I should try that argument. Uh, see how that works. Your Honor, it's obvious. It's a recognized affirmative defense. That guy is a Democrat. My guy, well actually, if, if I'm representing a criminal, um, then it's probably the other way around. My guy is a Democrat. And the guy who reported him is a Republican. Therefore, it doesn't matter that you got my guy on video committing the crime. You only know about that video because that Republican reported my guy. And you can't do that. My guy 
is entitled to an, a, a directed verdict. Not guilty. Dismiss the charges, Your Honor, because, uh, you know, the Trump defense. That apparently is an affirmative defense now. The th I'm not taking part in any of these bullshit arguments. Like I said, you can defend the president. You can argue that this might not be criminal. You can argue that this might not be a high crime and misdemeanor. You can argue that he shouldn't be impeached. You can argue uh, that we have a, a presidential election in just over a year. Let the people decide. This is ridiculous. This is anti-democratic. Um, anti all this stuff. You can make all of those valid political arguments. And you can do it without losing your integrity. You don't have to make bogus constitutional arguments. You don't have to make bogus legal arguments. You don't have to be a glaring hypocrite. You don't have to take the exact opposite position of a position you just took, you know, last week or when the Democrat president was being impeached back in the 90s. You don't have to be a political hack. You don't have to be a hypocrite. You can actually have principles and still defend the president without compromising those principles. But all I hear is the hackery on our side. That's all you get. You get hypocrisy and you get lies. Now, you get hypocrisy and you get lies on the left. Absolutely. All the media coverage on the left is hypocritical and lying. But what's the news there? That's who they are. That's what they are. That's one of the reasons we can't stand them. So that's no big surprise. But then we're going to do the exact same things as they do just from the other side? Sorry, count me the hell out of it. In terms of this impeachment stuff, right now, there are things to be concerned about, but there is not rock-solid proof that the president did anything wrong. Okay, There needs to be more information. We need more facts and information before we can make a decision about this. And we should have a transparent and fair process going forward. Democrats certainly aren't providing that. But here's the main problem I see with the Republicans' messaging on this impeachment stuff. They're not dealing with the substance of the allegation. The substance of the allegation is that the president used his office, the authority, the power of his office, to get a foreign government to conduct an investigation that will help him politically against his political opponent, who is the subject of that investigation. That is not proper. That is an abuse of power. Now, you can seek the assistance of a foreign government to help root out corruption, to maybe uh, do an investigation of something. The problem is the Joe Biden part of this. Now, that doesn't mean that Joe Biden gets a get-out-of-free card here. And it, it, the problem is, though, that he specifically targeted Biden. That's the problem. At the time, Biden was his most likely opponent in the general election. He's not anymore. He's not going to get the nomination. But at the time, he was leading the pack by, by double digits. Trump mentioned Biden specifically. And Trump used his personal attorney as a conduit to, you know, between himself and the Ukrainians to investigate Biden. And it clearly looks like there was a quid pro quo. It doesn't say it on the on the transcript. She doesn't need to, have to say it on the transcript. You know, you, you need to find out what other communications there were. I've told you before, these these telephone calls are usually just pro forma. 
All the substantive conversations happened between presidential aides before the phone call and after the phone call. Those are the conversations that are important. What was communicated to the Ukrainians about what Trump wanted in terms of this investigation? What, what was communicated to them before the phone call and after the phone call? By whom, to whom, for what purpose? That's the important stuff, not the transcript, as the morons on our side keep telling you. It's not. Now, if Trump actually did what he's being accused of, and we do not have evidence of that yet, there is troubling suggestion, however, from the evidence that we do already have, chief among them that transcript. That transcript does not exonerate the president. There is no exoneration there. It actually raises troubling questions that beg for further investigation. The transcript does not establish that he committed any crime or abused his office in any way, but it certainly suggests that he may have. All right, and, and to say that it's a perfect phone call and that it is a complete exoneration is to be nothing but a political hack. Now I understand it's an impeachment thing. It's political. We got to defend our guy. We got to. I'm not doing that. I, I'm not going to defend any president uh, who abuses his office. Now, I'm not saying Trump did that, but if it turns out that he did, I'm not going to defend that. I'm not going to support that. If he abused his office in a serious enough way, then he should be impeached and removed from office. Any president who abuses their office in a serious enough way should be impeached and removed from office. We don't have evidence that Trump did that yet. We have evidence that suggests he may have. That is a far cry different than saying that we have evidence that he did. But if he did, I'm not defending it. And in pursuit of the truth about all of this, we should demand politically an open and fair process from the left and we should make all those political arguments. But what we shouldn't do is lie about the Constitution and here, here's, I got off on a tangent here. What makes me, you know, really frustrated with the Republican response is that they're not focusing on the substance of the allegation as I just laid it out. It's at the core of the allegation is an, an abuse of power argument. That's a constitutional violation. That is the substance of it. Our side is not even talking about the substance of it. The only thing, the only way they even get close to talking about the substance of that allegation is to say, oh, well, the transcript exonerates him. That's the proof that he did nothing wrong. Well, it's not. It's not proof of exoneration. It's not an exoneration, as I've said. But that's as far as they go. Everything else they say is focused on nothing but the process and making phony charges of constitutional violations. You know, like Mr. Conservative, Mr. Constitution telling his audience that the language in the Constitution that the House shall have the sole power of impeachment compels a full vote of the House of Representatives to begin an impeachment inquiry. It does no such thing. The Constitution makes no such requirement. Uh, or perhaps Mr. Constitution is making the argument that the left makes. Well, the, the, the framers were just too stupid to put it in there, but that's what they meant. No, if the framers meant that, they would have said that. They didn't, and it can't be implied either. That is not, you know, it is not to be inferred from the language in the Constitution. The sole power of impeachment is to hold a vote 
on whether or not to impeach. That's the impeachment right there. The vote to impeach or not to impeach. That's the vote. Not the vote to open an inquiry, which the Constitution doesn't even talk about, doesn't even mention an impeachment inquiry. That's all crap that we just made up since the Constitution. That's just terminology that we made up since the Constitution. Now, it may be precedent, and we should follow it, and there's good arguments for all of that. But what there's not is a constitutional requirement for any of that. And to say that there is, is a lie. And it ticks me off to hear Mr. Constitution and other people on our side lie about it. But that's all I hear. I hear process arguments as if it's a defense. Now, that's fine to make those process arguments, but that's all they're making. They're acting as if the process problems, pointing out the hypocrisies and the unfairness in the process is a a substantive affirmative defense to the allegations. It's not. And it's it's good politically to point out the unfairness and the hypocrisy in the in the process, but it's not a defense to the allegations. And we're, what we're this is going to turn on. I've been telling you from the beginning it's going to turn on the facts and ultimately on public opinion. I mean, the facts could come out and be damning against the president, and if public opinion doesn't sway against the president sufficiently, he's not going anywhere. It doesn't matter. You need to have the public support impeachment and removal of a president in order to get the Congress to do it. So you need both of those things. You're going to need the facts that show that the president did something wrong, and then you're going to have to have the American people in support of impeaching him and removing him, especially the removing him part. Not so much the impeachment part, since you only need a simple majority. So this is going to turn on the facts. This is going to turn on what actually happened. I.e., this is going to determine, this is going to turn on the substance, not on the whining about Democrats are hypocrites. Well, no kidding, Democrats are hypocrites. And water is wet. What's your next argument? That's not going to get you anywhere. And let me tell you something, too. If you listen to talk radio the last day, they're telling you how brilliant this letter from Trump's lawyers was. And as a political document, it makes very good arguments. What, the only thing that makes me mad about that letter is that it lied about the Constitution and then, more importantly, the hacks on our side who pretend to be telling the truth about everything um, are telling their listeners that these are great constitutional and legal arguments where they're not at all. They're just, they're just political arguments dressed up as legal and constitutional arguments. But that's all I'm hearing from our side is is whining about the hypocrisy and the process. They're not addressing the substance of the allegation. Oh, and about that letter. So I don't have a problem with the letter as a political political document. The problem is, who's going to read that letter? Now, people on on these morons in talk radio act as if, "Oh, wow, that was such a brilliant letter. You know, everybody can see through the Democrats." What are you talking about? How many of the American people are actually going to read that letter? Are you kidding me? You think a lot of the American people are going to go on the internet, search for that letter, and read it? No. No. And so these process arguments aren't going to get you anywhere. These process arguments are just preaching to the choir. Okay, Talk radio guys telling their talk radio audience 
how brilliant everything that Trump does and the Trump team does and how how hypocritical and unfair the Democrats are. That's great. Yes, we all agree. Democrats are, are corrupt. Democrats uh, colluded with these witnesses, I'm sure. The Democrats are hypocrites. Democrats are unfair. They don't want the real truth to get out. Yeah, I get all that. But just telling each other that on talk radio isn't going to do us any good. It's ultimately the facts. It's ultimately the substance of the allegations. This isn't just going to go away by calling the Democrats hypocrites. And besides, uh, that's a completely ineffectual argument. Nobody cares. The hypocrisy argument doesn't work. We've been making the, the hypocrisy argument about Democrats literally as long as I can remember in politics. And I've been following politics very closely for 30 years. We've been making that point that Democrats are hypocrites about whatever it is that they're saying at any given point in time. No matter what they're saying, you can point to their hypocrisy on that issue where they've said the exact opposite thing sometime in the recent past. You know how many people that, that hypocrisy argument sways? Uh, nobody. Absolutely no people. That's how many. Because the people to whom the hypocrisy argument is a good argument are the people who already agree that the Democrats are a bunch of hypocrites. It's absolutely swaying nobody. Zero people. But that seems to be the substance of the Republican defense of the president is in this impeachment thing. And that's not going to get you there. Um, it's, a, it's a lame ass defense. Now, I'm sure you are aware of this new Fox News poll. It just came out yesterday that Trump is very pissed off about. He went on a Twitter tirade this morning about this Fox News poll. Uh, here it is uh, from Fox News. Just over half of voters want President Trump impeached and removed from office, according to a Fox News poll released Wednesday. A new high of 51% wants Trump impeached and removed from office. Another 4% want him impeached but not removed. And 40% oppose impeachment altogether. In July, 42% favored impeachment and removal. Okay, so since July, couple months, 42% of people wanted him impeached and removed from office. And today, according to this poll, it's 51%. Now, I'm not vouching for the accuracy of this poll. I'm not vouching for the accuracy of any poll. But, you know, Trump is, will tout to no end when Rasmussen has his approval rating at 50%, even though absolutely no other poll ever conducted in the entire Trump presidency shows him with approval ratings above 50%. But when, when Rasmussen does, Trump touts the poll. We're supposed to believe that poll. But every other poll that's conducted by every other operation, including Fox News, shows the, the president's approval rating either in the low 40s or upper 30s. Uh, and we're not supposed to believe any of those. We're supposed to believe Rasmussen. And we're not supposed to believe Fox News because it shows that 51% of Trump uh, of, of respondents want Trump impeached and removed from office. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but that should tell you that there's a problem here. And this is this goes back to the Republicans being delusional. If you listen to these morons on talk radio, and they're not stupid, many of them. Now, some of them are stupid, uh, just flatly just dumb people. I'm not going to name any names, TikTok. But there are some stupid people out there, TikTok. But again, I'm not naming any names, TikTok. So 
But these people will tell you that Trump, not only is he the greatest president in history, but he is among the most popular presidents in history. And it's just that these polls are phony. And Trump is winning new people over left and right. Of course, there's zero evidence to show any of that, but that's what we're supposed to believe. That's what you hear on talk radio. That's what you hear by some from some of the people on Fox News. And that's all you hear on social media among Republicans talking to themselves on social media. This is the kind of crap they say. They say that he is the most popular president in, in history, and any poll that shows otherwise is a fake poll. It's Democrat propaganda. And also, Trump is the greatest president in the history of the country. They say that too. I'm not even making that up. They say it all the time. He's a greater president than Reagan, Lincoln, Washington, Jefferson, Madison, all of them. He's greater than all of them. He is the greatest president in the history of the country. Why? I don't know. Because we have a low unemployment rate, I guess. I, I, I guess maybe it's because he has increased illegal immigration to the highest point in since 2007. Maybe that. I don't know. Other than that, I don't know why, but they think he is. Or maybe it's because he moved the embassy in Jerusalem. I, I, I don't know. Other than that, I, I don't know where you get that. But that's what they tell themselves. And they tell themselves that Trump is the most popular president in history. And they tell themselves that impeachment is going to help Trump. Why? Because Bill Clinton's poll numbers went up. Okay. Good for Bill Clinton. That's not proof that this is going to help Trump. That's a completely different situation. Just because that was an impeachment and this is, a, is an impeachment doesn't mean the American people are going to view it the same way. Number one, they're completely different issues. Number two, they're completely different people. Number three, they were completely different times. And number four, the American people were vastly different between then and now. How many more people are in this country now versus when Bill Clinton was president of the United States? How much has the electorate moved to the left since Bill Clinton was impeached? It's not the same group of people. On top of the fact that it's not the same people involved, uh, not the same presidents, not the same issues, not the same allegations. It's all different. You can't just you can't automatically draw the conclusion that because Bill Clinton's poll numbers went up after impeachment, even though Bill Clinton never stood for election again. And by the way, his vice president was defeated. That was a, a an election that Democrats should have won in a walk. The economy was booming. We had an incumbent president who, according to the polls and everybody who tells us now, um, Bill Clinton was super popular. Yet, his vice president lost. Yeah, it was a close election. But he lost. Uh, so what? So just because Bill Clinton's poll numbers were up doesn't mean that Trump's poll numbers are going to go up or that he will be reelected in a landslide like everybody on our side tells each other. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the hot take. That's the conventional wisdom on our side. And if you pay attention to politics, one thing you should have learned by now is to take the opposite position of whatever the conventional wisdom is at the moment. It's almost always wrong. And not just in liberal media, but in conservative media. Whatever the conventional wisdom is, more often than not, it's wrong. So if you want to be right more than half the time, 
without even giving the issues any thought, giving it any the politics any thought. Just figure out what the conventional wisdom is and then take the opposite position because you're going to end up being right more often than you're wrong. But the conventional wisdom on our side is that impeachment is going to automatically help the president. His poll numbers are going to go through the roof. The American people are not going to stand for it. And they're going to re-elect Trump in a landslide. That's the conventional wisdom. Now that could happen because it depends on a lot of other things besides impeachment. And by the way, this thing about impeachment. This impeachment thing is going to be over at some point in time. I doubt it's going to last all of 2020. They're moving as fast as they can. They want to get this thing wrapped up by Thanksgiving. That's what they were originally saying. I don't even know. I don't know if that's feasible, but that's what they were saying. Mitch McConnell is saying that he wants to have a quick uh, trial in the Senate. Now, assuming that this whole thing is over with in early 2020, say it's over with in February, even March, okay, and then it's done, impeachment's over. How many months is that between the end of the impeachment saga and the November elections? Well, it's well over half a year. A half a year in American politics in this age of social media and immediate outrage and a a two-second attention span? That's like five lifetimes. You think that impeachment is really going to be front and center by the time we get to November of next year? Uh, No, we're not. So even if Trump does get a bump in the polls, that's not going to be sustained all the way until 2020. I guarantee you. People aren't going to be still pissed off that Democrats, I mean, even if people are pissed off that Democrats did this and Trump is, you know, not convicted in the Senate, say he's impeached in the House, not convicted in the Senate, and people are really pissed off that the Democrats, you know, dragged us through that and Trump's poll numbers go up, they're not still going to be pissed off by November. Not to the point that it's going to drive their vote. They're going to forget that whole saga. It's not going to be on their minds anymore. It's probably not going to be on their minds like three weeks later. They'll be over it. They'll be on to the next thing. There'll either be some new allegations against Trump or more likely Trump will have done, between between the end of impeachment and the November election, Trump probably would have done 15 or 20 things that open him up to uh, calls uh, to accusations of racism and bigotry, or he just did you know something stupid, whatever it is. He'll step in it about 15 or 20 times between the end of impeachment and the 2020 election. We're not going to be talking about impeachment in November next year. We're not. Unless the situation is vastly different than it is right now. Unless there's new allegations that come forward or something that changes it. But if this is it, if, if this Ukraine situation is it, this is not going to drag on forever. It's going to come to a conclusion by early next year at the latest. And then we're going to move on. And nobody's going to give a damn. Even if it did, you know, uh, for a short period of time, help the president. But the idea that this is going to mean a 2020 landslide victory for Trump is ridiculous. 2020 is probably going to turn on issues to a large degree. Of course, it's going to matter who the Democrats nominate. So that's, you can't, obviously, you can't take that out of the equation. But this, again, is where Republicans are deluding themselves. If this is going to be an election fought over issues and fought over Trump's accomplishments in the first term, we have problems. Because Trump, if we're going to be honest with each other, 
And you won't get honesty from talk radio. If we're going to be honest, Trump accomplished precious freaking little. You know, he tells us that he's the most accomplished president in history, the most accomplished first term in history of any president ever. Uh, well, that's ridiculous. It's a lie. We, we accomplished very little. We got tax cuts. Um, and we got a relatively good economy. Other than that, we've got some little things, things that may be important but don't drive people to the polls. Okay, Trump has done great things in terms of cutting regulations. Okay, Cutting regulations is not going to turn people out in November. Nobody cares. It's important. It helps the economy uh, and all that. But nobody's going out to vote about that. Okay, That's not a vote getter. Uh, the VA. We've made reforms in the VA system to help our vets get better medical care. That is certainly important. It's certainly important to the vets who are benefiting from it. Um, and, and, and it will be obviously important to, to the military community and all our vets. And that's not an in, insignificant number of people. But keep in mind, by and large, those people already support Trump. And I'm not saying he shouldn't have done it, so don't misunderstand here. It was a very good thing that he did. What I'm saying is, in terms of running a re-election campaign, these are relatively minor things that aren't going to get people to come out and vote. Okay, uh, VA reform is not an attention grabber. People aren't going, yay, he gave us VA reform. I'm definitely voting for Trump. Nobody cares unless you're a vet. And, and even to the extent that they care, my point is, politically, it's not a vote driver. That's my point. What big, It's big issues that are vote drivers. The big, broad issues. It's like two or three of them. That's why successful presidential campaigns focus on two or three big, big issues. For Trump, it was repealing Obamacare, building a big, beautiful wall and having Mexico pay for it, and the economy. Those were his big three. Obamacare is still in place. Illegal immigration is worse, and we have a good economy. So he's come through on one of the three. Uh, the other two, one, you know, Obamacare, he did nothing on, and illegal immigration, he made worse. This is not a stellar record to run for re-election on. And so that's a problem. That's why Trump is going to make the entire election about the Democrat. He's going to constantly be belittling them, attacking them, you know, the way he does, which is fine. Uh, but that's largely what the campaign's going to be about. It's going to be about don't vote for that person because they're crazy. Vote for me because of the good economy. You know, he might try making the argument, oh, we built the wall, but I, I don't, I don't know that that's a good idea. I don't think he should be drawing attention to that because it's one, it's a lie. Two, even to say it, draws attention to that issue, and that's an issue he has failed on. So I don't think that's a good idea. So he's going to be railing against the Democrat and talking up his good economy. The problem for him, though, is we might not have a good economy come 2020, come November 2020. I don't know what it's going to be like. It's either going to have to turn around in order to be a really good economy, because right now the only thing that's good is the unemployment rate. Growth rate stinks. Lots of other indicators are not good at all. You know, debt is through the roof. Personal debt is through the roof. I mean, $23 trillion in a national debt, it's outrageous. So the only thing we have is low unemployment. 
If that turns around, if the economy starts to go in the toilet, we've got Trump has serious problems for re-election. And it's just, again, our side is delusional. They're delusional about impeachment. They think impeachment's going to help Trump no matter what. They're not even bothering to defend him against the allegations. They're staying completely away from the allegations. In truth, most Republicans aren't even coming out to support him. It's a few people in the House who are outspoken, and that's it. It's a few House members, Jim Jordan, you know, a few of them, all the talk radio, Fox News, but that's about it. You don't hear a lot of senators coming out defending Trump. And to the extent anyone defends him, it's just about the nonsense, the process. Oh, Democrats are hypocrites. Well, yeah, whoopee, who cares? Nobody's defending him on the allegation. And the allegation is what it's about. They delude themselves about the future of the country. They think we've realigned politics and Trump is going to get reelected in a landslide. They have no idea that a blue wave is about to come crashing over all of us and flip Texas, Georgia, Arizona, Florida, North Carolina, and other states to the left. And once that, do- once that happens, we're screwed, as I've, as I've told you. They're completely clueless about that. And they're clueless about the 2020 election. How do you think you get a poll that says 51% of the American people want Trump removed from office, impeached and removed? Now, just for argument's sake, just say that this is an accurate poll or relatively accurate, okay? just We have no indication to the contrary. So let's just, for argument's sake, say it's the, the poll is largely accurate. What does that tell you? It tells you it's lunacy to think that Trump is going to win in a landslide. If at the very beginning of this process, where we haven't even heard from any witnesses, really, we've heard one guy, the um, what the, I, the IG, the intelligence community IG, that's it. That's all we've heard from. They've had a couple witnesses test, testify behind closed doors, and we haven't even heard that. So we, we have no facts. We have no witnesses. We don't even know who these whistleblowers are. We don't know what might pe- what people might say, what documents there might be, what further transcripts. We don't know anything, really. We're at the start of this process. And even so, with no facts on the table, 51%, 51% of the American people want Trump impeached and removed from office. That tells you that Trump is not the most popular president in American history, as Rush Limbaugh would have you uh, believe. He, he, he has not realigned American politics and turned all these groups of Democrats into loyal Trump voters and Republicans. There's zero indication of that. All the indications we have, whether it's this Fox News poll that says 51% of people want Trump removed from office, whether it's this information coming out of Georgia that Georgia might vote for a Democrat, whether it's Republicans in the state of Texas warning that that state might elect a Democrat in 2020 or 2024. All the indication is the exact opposite, that things are going in the wrong direction politically for the Republican Party and for the president. But that's not what you hear from Republicans. You hear the exact exact opposite. A lot of these people are running around saying how, oh, facts matter, not feelings. All you're giving me is feelings. Every time you hear information you don't like, you say it's fake news. You say that a president is the greatest president in history. He's the most popular president in history. Why? Because you think so. Therefore, everybody else thinks so. Well, there's zero indication that a majority of the American people think that. 
Again, Trump's approval ratings have never risen be, uh, above the low 40s. Not in any poll besides Rasmussen. That's it. You know, we used to we used to dismiss outlier polls. Oh, that's just an outlier. None of the other polls show that. Well, the, now the outlier is the only one apparently that we believe. Every other poll is fake news. Every every single one of them. Even though all of those polls got the 2018 election correct when they predicted a blue wave that would capture the House of Representatives for the Democrats. Well, guess what? There was a blue wave and the Democrats captured control of the House of Representatives. Those polls were right. And I remember everybody telling us those polls were wrong. That's fake news. We're going to win in a landslide. Just like they're just like they're saying now. You know, Trump is going off on the Fox News poll. Those Fox News polls, they're never good for me. They've always been... Whatever. Republicans are deluding themselves. Republicans are becoming everything that they used to hate about the Democrats. And I'm not talking just about uh, Republican elected officials, but Republican voters. At least the ones that I see and hear on social media and calling these radio shows and no it's not surprising because many of the people on our side get their news and their political opinions from these talk radio guys and these Fox News guys and other quote unquote conservative media people we don't have a lot of independent thinkers on our side we don't really have any more independent thinkers on our side than the left has on their side our side just takes their marching orders and gets their opinions from a different group of people. You know, your average left-wing Democrat drone gets their opinion from watching MSNBC or CNN. Whatever those people on MSNBC or CNN are saying, that's what the, the, the little human robots repeat on the left. Well, our human robots just repeat whatever they hear on Fox News or Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh or Mr. Constitution. And the others. They're not coming up with independent thought. I see it. You know, I I see one of these talk radio guys say something. And then it gets picked up on Fox News. And then suddenly, that's what all the little automatons on our side are reflexively regurgitating as their own independent thought. So Mr. Constitution says something one day. The next day, Fox News picks it up has Mr. Constitution on to yell for 15 minutes. And then, you know, all the little automaton cheerleaders on our side start saying those same things, like it's their own independent thoughts. So they're deluding themselves. Everyone is deluding. We're living in a country of people just in a delusion, a constant state of delusion. They believe what they want to believe. They emote whatever they feel is what is true. You don't like that news? Well, then it's fake news and you don't have to believe it. You don't like that poll? That poll's never been good for me. Fox News sucks. Their pollsters suck. To quote Trump from this morning's tweets. Fox News pollsters suck. Fake news. We're deluding ourselves. We don't embrace reality. We think that because we think something, well, then a majority of the American people think it too. They think the hypocrisy, you know, we think the hypocrisy argument is a good defense to impeachment. 
Uh, well, it's not, but we keep telling ourselves that. So that's what the Trump team focuses on. I told you the other day that Trump takes his political and policy advice from talk radio, largely. I, I mean, or whatever. I don't need to rehash that. And I've already gone too long here. I'm wrapping it up. Um, thanks for indulging me in this rant. I'm just so sick of our side. Our side has blown it. We had so far three years of the Trump administration. This was the administration that was supposed to turn everything around. We were we were taking back our government from the globalists and the big government people and all this. No, we didn't. We did nothing. We did nothing. He filled his administration with quote-unquote swamp creatures. He's constantly firing people and then excoriating them for being stupid. And, you know, they're whatever he says. He fires them and then he humiliates them. Says they're the dumbest person ever. You hired them! Why did you hire these idiots, as you call them? Why did you hire these people? You have an administration full of people backstabbing you. You put them there! Not all of them. I mean, he didn't hire all the civil service people. But these top-level people, he put them there. Okay? He gets rid of Jim Comey and then puts Christopher Ray in there. You don't get to be a bigger swamp creature than Christopher Ray. He put Rod Rosenstein as Deputy Attorney General. Trump put him there. Trump nominated him. Rod Rosenstein was out. He's the one who appointed Robert Mueller to investigate Trump. He's out there trying to get cabinet members to get rid of Trump via the 25th Amendment by saying he's mentally unfit. Trump put all these people there. Oh, I'm just so... We blew it. This is why I'm so pissed off. We blew it. And now this presidency is nothing but a shit show. Whether it's Trump's fault or it's not Trump's fault. And some of it is Trump's fault and some of it's not Trump's fault. But regardless, it's a shit show. We get nothing. We're not winning any damn where. We don't even talk about issues anymore. And to the extent we do, it's gun control. That's it. It's the only issue that we talk about. And we don't even talk. I mean, that's been a couple weeks before since anyone's talked about it. But other than that, what issues? The only issue that's being t- discussed right now um, is Trump abandoning our allies in the Mideast to slaughter by, the, uh, by Turkey. That's it. You know, the Kurds were instrumental to helping us in the Mid in the Mideast. Whether or not you agree with those wars or not, it's irrelevant. They were our allies. They helped us. And and now we just do ab- abandon them and they're being slaughtered by Turkey. Okay. That's what we're talking about. Is that good? I don't think it's good. But, you know, 90% of the people in the Republican Party will say it's good. Why? Because Trump did it. And that's how we determine whether or not something is good on the Republican side anymore. It doesn't matter the substance of the issue. It doesn't matter the principles involved. What what matters is whether or not Trump did it. If Trump did it, it's good, it's brilliant, it's the right thing. And if you disagree, you're fake MAGA and you're not a real conservative. It's funny now how in the Republican Party, the measure of a conservative is whether or not you agree with the guy who up until he ran for office was a New York liberal Democrat. That's really funny to me. If I disagree with something something the president says or does, then I'm not a real conservative. Even though I've been a principled conservative my entire life, 
Now, I'm not a conservative because I disagree with the guy who five years ago was a liberal Democrat in Manhattan. That's the Republican Party we have now. The Republican Party is a freaking joke. It's a cult of personality. And the cult is being strengthened by the, the, the phony sellouts in quote-unquote conservative talk radio. So, all right, that's it. Look, I'm not going to be here Friday. Uh, going out of town. Probably won't do the podcast again until Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Um, listen to the show on whatever platform you do. Make sure that you give me a good review if you're able to do that. Please encourage right-thinking people, people who are not automatons. Or, of course, you know, the automatons can listen too. They're probably just going to, you know, not get it or be very angered. But whatever. Recommend this podcast to your friends and family. Help me grow it. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, bookmark, or subscribe to markpantano.com and declaringliberty.com. And uh, until we do this again, remember, continue to fight the left and the phony sellouts in the Republican Party like your freedom depends on it. Because it does.